0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. I am very excited to welcome back both Aaron and Jake. Thank you guys so much for joining us. While I am doing that, I hope you all are liking the show, subscribing to the button, hitting the notification bell. That way you get your email in the morning every time we go live, which is of course, every day. So um, we are gonna be talking about the physical peak performance. And I know that that the the topic itself can be quite large, but what I wanted to really kind of focus on is how everything intermingles across this week. So we are going to be focusing on the physical side of it, but throughout the week, as we talk about peak performance, I think all of these topics will mingle in and amongst each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, we talked about kind of the foundations of peak performance yesterday, and we're going to be talking physical now, and I'm going to hit you, Sean, because you were a high performance race coach and you talk, you talk quite a bit about physical peak performance. So, why don't we start with your definition of what physical
1: peak performance is and then we can share the rest? Sure. And, and uh, I'm not sure if my definition will be any better than anyone else's, but I do have a bit of experience in it and I'll get us started. So uh, my first thought is uh, referring back to yesterday, because just like you did now, Chance, uh, the, the common expectation of the conversation around peak performance typically defaults to physical. And uh, whether it's an athlete thinking how to peak my performance or whether it's someone who has never been an athlete, but they're considering how to be a peak performer, rarely is it psychological. Rarely is it emotional. The default position is typically to peak performance is physical. So I, that's what we're talking about today for sure. But uh, I, I don't want anyone to miss the message during this entire hour and think that uh, I believe that physical is is the peak performance focus to me mindset or the psychological it's all about the mind for me 90% of uh, peak performance is mental and the other 10% is mental as far as i'm concerned so um i i can talk about physical peak but that's right do the math jay do the nothing. math my math is not mathing right now well listen we're giving you time take okay. take all the time you need um the i, I don't want anyone to get confused that while we're talking about physical performance, that that is my default position. My default position is the mental peak performance, to get the physical peak performance. So uh, rather than throwing out a physical definition, uh, that's my opening uh, piece, is while you're listening to us discuss physical performance, please, for all things that are good, keep it in mind that my default position is psychological performance.
0: Bam! Shots across the bow, Aaron. What do you, uh, you got thoughts on
2: that one? Um, I would definitely say that as a mental performance consultant, but I think um, physicality. When I think of just the definition, I think of object um, or objective, and you know what we can see. Um, and so when I think of peak performance that is physical, it's like, okay, how, how big are my muscles? How fast can I run? Um, how, how much weight can I lift? Um, and peak would be, you know, obviously, maybe periodization, maybe thinking about when, when am I going to be my best? And how do I make myself my best? And so the physical aspect is really interesting in terms of the Western philosophy, because that's more about the mind versus the body. And it, makes you privilege one over the other. And so just like Sean was saying, most people are going to privilege the physical because the physical is the action of, you know, achieving whatever physical goal you have. But if you think about it, you use your brain more because it's physiological and that kind of blends the two. And so when you have an emotion or when you have a certain thought, your physical ability is going to either rise up to the occasion or it's not. But... There's motivation, there's confidence, there's focus. All of these aspects are necessary for you to achieve that physical performance. And so that blending of the mind-body is something that I've been really interested in for a long time without privileging, okay, now I'm the body. Now I'm just an object to be perceived versus the body as a subject, which is what I can feel from my body, the gift that I have that allows me to perceive the world through my body. And so that's kind of the, rather, because you said physicality, I'm just thinking like rock hard abs. Um, That was the first thing that came to mind. The second thing was like, wait, how do we use our body? Our body is just a a flesh prison or our body is something that um, is just the the outside perception of us, but the inside is what actually matters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's like, uh, what are we? We are... Uh, bone mechs with meat armor.
2: Nice.
3: <laughs> some water mixed in there somewhere. Yeah, with some water. In there.
2: <laughs> uh, Jake, seventy-five uh, What are your thoughts on it?
3: Yeah, so I'll I'll take it just the complete opposite direction of these two. Uh, when I think of peak uh, performance, I'm thinking of capability. So each individual has a different capacity for what they're capable of doing there's a lot of people that are genetically preconditioned for something like bodybuilding there's people that are genetically preconditioned and have lung capacity VO2 max so they can run further bike bike further and good opportunity Sean and Sachin they're two very different individuals they're genetically preconditioned to be successful in one thing usually if you look at Sachin the guy has years and years of bodybuilding and that transition of being able to physically get to the peak performance of running, his capability for athletic and peak performance is very high. I would say he's genetically gifted uh, for performance. And I think, I definitely think that your mind drives that. You have to have a why. Whatever your why is, a lot of it is uh, going to be mental, whether your parents are driving, you early in life to be a better basketball player because they want you to play in the NBA. A lot of that is how you respond to that mentally. It's not all just your physical capability of maybe I'm tall. So that's why I want to I play basketball. Just got pushed in that direction. Welcome um, my life. <laughs> right. So like myself, same thing, but a lot of it has to do with your own capabilities. And a lot of that is going to be physical capabilities, but also mental. So I can't stray too far away because if you don't make a choice mentally to actually go out and adapt to stressors in the world like like resistance, uh, whether that resistance is uh, dumbbells, barbells, resistance bands, yoga, a bike, it doesn't matter. But it's all about application of resistance against you and how you mentally uh, get through that. So Mm -hmm. you're not I can't say Sean's wrong which is so aggravating. (laughs) I wish you you would have. It would have infuriated me. I was lying. I was like, I would see
1: if I could trick him here. John, you got any uh, points to add to that? I do. And so we're still early in the conversation. Uh, However, um, I'm not going to disagree with Jake, even though it infuriates me that I can't reverse, you know, his infuriation. Uh, I I think that uh, the... Now that we're getting into the topic at hand, which is physical performance. uh, Of course, I've I've been a long time coach in uh, high performance racing, and uh, I've created world champions, national champions, regional champions, all kinds of champions. Uh, But uh, those kind of uh, outcomes, uh, in the sense that I've created them, I've facilitated them, that's a more correct term, uh, in the sense of running those programs for all of the people that I've worked with, I've learned a lot about them. They've learned a lot about themselves, but I've learned a lot about the process. The process is uh, the overarching theme of physical peak performance in my mind, because we can tease uh, all the nuance out of each individual. And we could tell a thousand different stories today about the thousand different unique uh, individuals who uniquely solve their own physical peak performance. But I think there's a lot of commonalities uh, when we look at those thousand individuals on how they uh, achieve their peak performance. I'll use myself as the example. I No one taught me how to peak perform. I had to learn it. And so I, I am naturally gifted as an athlete, for sure. And so uh, it, dry, it drove my wife crazy when we first telemarked together. I'd never telemarked, and uh, she was a longtime telemarker. And uh, we went up to uh, Ski Hill and uh, I clicked into my Telemark boots for the first time. By the end of the day, I was telemarking better than her. And she said, it's so annoying that you're doing it better than I am already. And it's only been half a day. Well, maybe I'm gifted or maybe I've just learned a whole pile of things up to that point. So that then when I click into those Telemark boots, I can do me and me as a result of a couple of decades of hard training and a hard understanding my physical shell. I've mentioned it in the past that I feel our bodies are uh, the sensory uh, vehicle. They they, they are what helps us interact with the world. They are what our body gathers bandwidth. So our body is like almost an, an inert vessel. It does things but it doesn't decide things. Our brains decide things. So our brains interpret the sensory information that is bandwidth from the world. Our brain interprets it and then does something with it. Well, again, back to the psychological or mental importance in physical peak performance. My body knew how to perform, but my brain had to figure out how it performs in each thing. And so through a pile of mistakes, a pile of hard things, a pile of milestones, and a pile of successful outcomes, we'll call it, my brain started to patternize how my physical body could do things based on the sensory input out there. So I wrote this morning on my IG post about situational awareness. If you want to understand situational awareness, you've got to start to develop the skill set of situational awareness. And what does that even mean? Start paying attention to what's going on around you in a 360 degree fashion. There's more to it than that. But that is life. If you're situationally aware of what's going on around you, and you're situationally aware of what's going on inside of you, then you just have to take your physical shell, accept the bandwidth, let your brain interpret the situational awareness, and start producing outcome in the now. That's what I've done as an athlete, and that's what I've done with all of my athletes. Teaching them how to perform in the now rather than focused on uh, a pile of other white noise that some athletes can focus on. Now, of course, there's there's science methodologies uh, in respect to physical training. We can talk about taper peaks. We can talk about nutrition. We can talk about all kinds of sleep and this and that, but at the end of the day, If if I haven't eaten for two days and I haven't slept in three days and I've only had a mouthful of water uh, uh, several times throughout that three-day period, we'll call it, I'll still freaking perform because my body knows that it can, my brain demands that it will, and I simply exist in the now doing what's expected of me, what I expect of me uh, in the moment. And so physical, again, We can tweak it, we can maximize it, we can optimize it all day long. But at the end of the day, if you don't know a freaking thing about peak performance physically, if you've got a strong mind, you'll get pretty close to the finish line as far as I'm concerned.
3: I think that's why you're set apart from everybody else though, Sean, because you have that capability of turning everything else off that you didn't do or wasn't the most efficient manner. You turn it all off and you just do there's a lot of people that are planners that plan 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 and they cannot for their life of them initiate that plan right mm-hmm. you're a doer and you just go and do and that's what sets you apart
0: that's a good point erin you got any thoughts on
2: yeah i really like how you're talking about more i call them actionables so obviously if i'm working with the mind um i have to help them take their mind and make them you know be able to to choose as you were saying, like make that choice to endure stressors. Um, Sean, I heard a few things from you that I really liked was obviously mindfulness, Um, you know, being in the here, the now and using our, I'm still going to go with flesh prison. Um, When we're in this flesh prison and using those sensory, like what is my, like what is the, I mean, if you think about like enjoying a glass of wine, which I don't even do, I don't really like wine, but you know, they talk about, okay, like feel the weight of it on your tongue. Um, you know, the, all the, the taste, like like take your time to, to, to have that sensory experience and then figure out what, you, what impact you can make on your environment. And that's what that adaptability is to the stressors. But you have to understand what are my stressors? What are my demands? Then you can consider what peak performance would look like in that certain domain because peak performance is going to look way different in esports than it is in terms of baseball or MMA. Um, And and those are still sports. There's still a physicality to it um, because, you know, whether it's pushing buttons at a fast pace and staying, you know, focused or it's, you know, waiting to catch a ball or do a free throw. So there are certain demands. And that's what I like to think about in terms of like people that I work with what are the demands that, and the stressors that you have? And then what are the resources that you have? And how do they match up? And sometimes, just like we were saying kind of before, before we started recording, Chance, you were talking about being a tool and like kind of being like a jackknife or, or like one of those pocket knives that you're just like, scissors? i got little scissors. Um, and, and being available for that. So I think when you think about what tool you have, how can it be adapted? Because it doesn't necessarily mean that a spoon is only for soup right? A spoon can be for ice cream. Um, And then, you know, a fork can be for so many different things. It could stab, you can pick up, right? So there's a lot of different mechanisms, just like we can push and we can pull, but depends on the grip that we have. Everything into that physical, like how do we use our body to to accomplish what we're trying to do? So, you know, the goal setting is really, really important because what are we trying to achieve? And then what I really want to know from both or all three of you is like, what do you define as as peak and how do you know when you've reached peak when someone says you know i want to reach my potential i'm like what does that even mean like how do i know when i've reached my limits what are my limits when they i forget the guy that did it but the four minute mile that you know hmm. people thought it was impossible and then this dude does it and then 36 37 other people since then have done that uh under four minute mile um And it wasn't because they trained harder physically and they ran harder and they lifted more weights it was also mentally because they were like there are no limits you know i'm not Mm -hmm. putting limits on myself and then going back to sean and expectations your expectations are are definitely going to to determine your own limits if someone says no 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 one's done a four minute mile like no you can't physically do that you might go oh all right yeah i'll just satisfy myself with like 402 um And think, okay, well, I I got there and I uh, or I hit four minutes, whatever. But you don't really push yourself past because you have to be a little bit delusional. And that's where the mind comes in. But if you have expectations that are, you know, in terms of like someone else says, you know, you're great. Your guard, you know, I'm I'm always going to talk about jujitsu. Like your guard is great. You can submit anyone. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely pull guard. I'm not going to go for a takedown. Does that mean that I, I suck at takedowns? Does that mean that in the future, I'm never going to go for takedowns because no one ever told me that I was good at takedowns? So it's really interesting to think about what do you define as peak and how do you know when you've reached it?
0: Well, let's, uh, <clears throat> let's get into that. Before we do, I just want to remind everybody watching, if you guys have any thoughts or questions like these questions, hit them up in our comment section. I'll put them up and we can uh, discuss them. But Sean, what do, you, uh, what do you think on that one right off the bat? What do you define as peak and how do you get there? <coughs>
1: Well, uh, Aaron has used the word or term uh, meat prison. I think that was it, meat prison, right? Flesh,
2: flesh. Me- flesh sorry,
1: prison. meat, uh, flesh prison, mm-hmm. right. Um, I, I kind of like it. Uh, I kind of like the the term in the sense of, oh, I've never used it before. I've never really heard it before. Uh, but as I was thinking about it, it kind of works for me um, in the sense of it gives it a little bit of a not distastefulness to it, but it gives it a little bit of cognitive dissonance. What? It's my body, not my meat prison. Uh, but I kind of like it now that I'm thinking about it because what it did do to me when I heard it the, uh, the second time was it allowed me to disconnect from the shell and think, yeah, that's what it is. Of course, it's a, it's a flesh prison, meat prison, however you want to term it and uh what that allowed me to do thinking about it that way was pat myself on my meat back and think oh yeah that's kind of how i think anyway i've just never termed it that way and let me explain that my body will do what my brain tells it to do and i freaking ignore my body i don't care what my body thinks stop your whining my brain will drive this vehicle my body is just it's like a car the tires sense the road the brakes come into play when my brain says i've got to slow down if i'm going into a curve too fast my brain has to interpret the curve based on the feedback from the car and so my brain is driving the whole program uh but i over the years i've come to manipulate my body with less respect than some people give their body uh, in the sense of they treat it like it 's a, a porcelain doll, or they treat it like it 's a statue to be placed up on 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 a uh, pedestal and and not get any bumps or bruises on it and so this isn 't directed at Jake. Uh, I know that Jake is in the bodybuilding world, and there 's a heavy focus on the uh, on the meat shell and so uh, if the biceps aren 't big enough. Am I wrong, dude? Look at the size of that thing. Uh, if the if the if the biceps aren't big enough, then the focus becomes on how to make the bicep bigger. A lot of it is aesthetics, um, but of course there's a functional strength requirement as well. Depending on what uh, genre of bodybuilding you're into, strength or or aesthetics. Either way, the focus is on the meat shell. Where uh, if let's say for example you break your leg. And now you can't do your thing that you're hyper-focused on in the sense of performance because of aesthetics of the meat shell. That's just not how my brain works. I'm not focused on uh, how I look, obviously. I mean, have you seen how ratty my hair is right now? Uh, What I am focused on is performance. not. uh, So I'm more of a um, function over form kind of guy. And... uh, by focusing on the, what my expectations of my brain are, not what my body should look like, that's how I've run my life. And so no matter what I'm doing, whatever project I'm on, what 10-year project, 20-year project, five-year project, doesn't matter, my body adapts to whatever I put in front of it with my brain. So, uh, you know, eight years of BJJ, when I first started BJJ, I didn't have a BJJ body. I had a cycling body, and then before that I had a dot-dot-dot body, and then before that I had a dot-dot-dot body. My body adapts to what my brain tells it to become, and my brain doesn't know what it's supposed to look like. My brain doesn't know what it's supposed to shape like. It doesn't know how it's supposed to perform. All my brain has to do is tell my body to start moving towards that outcome, that fuzzy outcome that I still don't understand yet. I said it yesterday that when i start a project we'll call it a 10 year project in bjj i don't have clarity all the only clarity i have is i'm starting and i'm going to do it for a minimum of 10 years that's the only clarity i have in that moment but along the way i gain clarity through my brain pushing my body my body starting to perform as it improvises adapts and overcomes to the problem that i've put in front of it it just starts adapting To the requirement of whatever physicality i'm involved in now my job as a higher functioning individual is to then observe that pattern observe that trend see where it's going and then start tweaking it for peak performance on day one i can't tweak my physicality to understand what i'll need six years from now in bjj i can barely spell bjj on on day one So uh, along the way, I'll get clarity as to what's required of my physical shell. And my brain will start tweaking that based on the coaching at coach science that I already know well before I could spell BJJ.
3: So I have a question pertaining to that, Sean, because what you're talking about, you're talking about everything except for where that limitation, where that peak is for you you're saying that your mind and your body are connected, your, your body is just doing. But for you, have you ever experienced like an injury while you're biking?
1: Yeah, sure. Lots. So,
3: right. So say you have something like an ACL tear while you're biking. Is that I beyond? I know you have. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's a soft spot. The trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a sec. PTSD. You just want to. <laughs> we could pause the show if Sean needs a moment. Can we just take a moment? No, yeah. actually, we can't. We're doing people's do We're driving forward. So, is, is that right? There is that you going beyond peak performance? Were you not operating within your limitations? So, is there a disconnect between your mind and your body's capabilities? Cause your mind, it sounds like your mind is, is years beyond where you're, you're physically are right now. I know you want to take those baby steps to get to your 10 year plan, but do you find that you might be extending beyond what peak performance could possibly be physically me, if you're getting sure. injured? Yeah. Right. Easily. Yeah.
1: It, yeah. I I do it very easily because I've got now four decades. So I turned 60 this year. So I've got four decades of hard graft, like hard hammering mm-hmm. that my first career in special operations taught me how to be bonkers, how to be how to be a lunatic, how to be a madman in pursuit of what was required of me. And so uh, Aaron said that you kind of, you, you, I think it was you, Aaron, that said you kind of got to be a little crazy to drive forward on these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Well, consider me insane then, because I have certain expectations of myself, I have certain goals that I've set for myself, I have a certain style of life that I'm used to now, and it was taught to me in Tier 1, where I looked to my left and right and saw humans doing superhuman things, and it became normal. So the abnormal became normal. When I got used to that, I started liking the taste of that. Mm -hmm. And so once you've tasted how to hyper perform as it were, it's hard to forget the taste. So I've never let that go. I push myself relentlessly and people in my town sometimes, you know, they'll, it just happened a few days ago. Do you know, it's like 36 degrees Celsius out right now and it's super smoky and you're about to go for a ride. Yeah. I can't explain that to what I quote unquote call normal people, but that's, it seems normal to me. I'm I'm not dead yet and I didn't die last time I did it and I didn't die 10 years ago when I did it and so on and so forth. So I think that um, my pace that I push on myself is a result of being surrounded by people who were pushing their pace and mm-hmm. it simply became normalized.
0: Mm-hmm. This, this whole conversation, actually, it's really interesting in terms of the analogies you guys have been using. Sean, you came up with the, uh, you know, driving a car. And this very, it seems very much like mechanics as a general se- sense of peak performance when you're talking about the physicality, right? If you, you want to go faster in a car, you need a bigger or more tuned or more uh, efficient engine. And that's depending on what style of faster you want to go. Do you want to go faster zero to 60? Do you want to go faster over the long term, like top speed? do you want to go um, faster overland, et cetera et etc et etc. And it's quite interesting to kind of overlay the image of different styles of vehicles onto different styles of people in that you have a uh, <laughs> you can go anywhere you want in any realm, but the peak performance is going to look differently. It's going to look different uh, for each style that you move from piece to piece between a drag race versus NASCAR versus Indy versus Overland versus et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm a monster truck. Yeah, I'll get you Uh, in a second.
3: Sean is a Sean is a rally car. (laughs) Aaron, what are you like?
2: uh, I'm a Fiat.
3: See, Uh, (laughs) I don't know if I would go with that.
1: Maybe maybe a a sleeper car. That'd
0: be cool.
2: No, I'm actually a Toyota Corolla.
1: There you go.
0: Pretty
2: oh. durable.
3: Pretty
1: durable. I like that. Yeah. I, I I'll I'll shut up after I say this because uh, uh, I've been talking too long. But I'm yeah. gonna throw this out just and then you guys play with it. So in my opinion, I like I like what you're putting down there, Chance. It's it's a good in the spirit of things. It's a good concept. However, I don't care what car I'm driving. You can put me in a Jalopy or you can put me in a Ferrari. I'm gonna sit in the seat. Depending whether it's carbon fiber or maybe it's got holes in it doesn't matter to me I'm gonna grab that steering wheel. I'm gonna look directly ahead and I'm gonna drive it like I stole it So I don't care what car it is. I'm gonna freaking push the pace in it. I'm If the wheels are flying off it, it doesn't matter to me. I'm gonna drive it with three wheels I'll drive it with two wheels I'll do what is required of me to meet my expectations of myself in the jalopy or the supercar that I'm in at the moment. It's just a yeah. thought.
0: Knowing Sean, he will uh, drive all the wheels off it, pick it up and then run. Hmm. So, <laughs> I was going to
3: say, I would never want to coach someone like you, Sean. And, in that, and that's a compliment. It's honestly a compliment because you're the type of person that I would have to pull the reins back on and I just know you wouldn't do it right? Because you would always want to be pushing the capabilities of yourself. And that in the world of like bodybuilding or athletics can be a very dangerous and injury pursuing career ending issue. Could could be, could be Aaron. I agree. However, however, However. I've, I've
1: coached enough of those athletes myself, Mm -hmm. and I recognize them by recognizing myself. Mm -hmm. that I had to learn how to pull their reins in. In fact, one of them that comes immediately to mind who we've had on the guest panel before is Julie Kelly. I would have to rein her in on the regular because she is a go-getter, man. Mm -hmm. She'll push herself until she uh, spontaneously combusts. So I recognize it in myself, which is a really good thing as a coach to be able to then recognize it in others. So Coach... uh, Coach Jake, in in your, the spirit of your your uh, point, I would agree on a surface level. However, yeah. I would be your best athlete because I would absolutely listen to you because I understand the importance of a cold eye review and someone overarching my observations and guiding me correctly because that's why I've hired you. Mm-hmm.
0: Aaron, you got some thoughts?
2: Yeah. I mean, when you talk about the car and the mechanics, it goes back to what Jake was saying about genetics. And, you know, you're born into this flesh prison. It is given to you what, you know, the cards you're dealt, whatever you want to call it. And then it's up to you to figure out, you know, what are my strengths and what are my capabilities? I When you say capabilities, I think of what are my strengths? What are my assets? In jujitsu, right? We think about, okay, well, if you're long and lanky, maybe you should go check out that long and lanky guy. Oh, you're stocky? Cool. Marcel Garcia, like go, go with him. Um, and we always try to think of like, okay, well, this could be your motivation or you can emulate this person if you're not sure how to use your body yet. But it's not just genetics, right? It's the motivation or effort. So, Sean, you talk about putting max effort. Like doesn't matter what car I'm in. I imagine if you were, it was like Freaky Friday and you and Jake, like, Switched bodies, um, I think you'd have a hell of a time uh, <laughs> being younger and having, you know, and good luck. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, was, yeah. Was, <laughs> just the full package. It's like, oh my God, I never thought I'd ever experience this. Um, and here you are. So I think taking, you're talking about taking with what you have and then just running it into the ground basically, and seeing how far it goes, not knowing of a actual limit, and having this goal that may be delusional. Maybe it's realistic. You know, we always say, okay, use smart goals, right? Make them realistic, make them, you know, self appointed, make them measurable. And so if you have it measured out, and you know, Jake, you talk about planning rather than just doing um, the planning is always has to be loose, right? Because you got to focus on what you can control. So we can't control the body that we have. We can't control, you know, the amount of strength. Like I may not be strong, but I am flexible as hell. And I'm gonna use that to my advantage. But I also need to know where it's a weakness and be able to amp up my strengths while not avoiding weaknesses, but at least figuring out what strengths can at least um, pick up where the weakness leaves off. And so I think that the physicality aspect is effort, genetics, Um, but also personality and thinking about, you know, what do I truly want? And that comes to the authentic self. So when we talk about physicality and I talked about rock hard abs, you know, the, the aesthetic Sean, you're talking about like, well, if my goal is for the aesthetic or my goal is to meet a number on the scale, it's not really paying attention to your capabilities. It's not paying attention to the engine in your car. It's paying attention just to what it looks like. You know, the people like my dad, for example, um, he worked a sales job and he had a little Mitsubishi mirage. And he made me every weekend wash his car uh as a chore, Be- but because he cared so much about what people thought of him from the outside. And I think that's the hard part about physicality: is you start worrying about the car you're driving. You start worrying about does this make me look cool? Does this make me look like I'm I'm I fit into wherever I want to belong, which is a basic psychological need. But um, knowing that body image is part of the physicality, I think it makes it really hard to reach peak performance because I always ask, what does it look like? You know, you wake up, you wake up and you've reached your goal. What what does it look like? How do we know when you've reached that goal? Um, You know, how do you feel? What's your emotion? Who's around you? All of those things, like really, really picture it and imagine it. And then how do we get there? Um, Resources, demands, all that but it, it really takes that tweaking and that listening to your body and being able to take what you have and make the most of it. So peak performance to me, especially in the physical realm is not which, which it's hard to say because I always wanted to be like, well, if I'm, if I'm an athlete um, I'm going to have cauliflower ear. I didn't get cauliflower ear until I started doing uh, striking and someone hit me with a hook and I lost my hearing in that ear for like two weeks. So it's, you know, Oh, I look tough because I have cauliflower ear or, Oh, I look like I'm in shape because I don't have cellulite or, Oh, you know, I'm getting ready for worlds. I can't win worlds. If I don't have abs only people with abs win worlds. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's why I haven't won G Worlds. I don't have abs, but we'll never know. Um, so I think it's a lot about taking what you have, but also paying attention to those other expectations, like, I need to have abs mm. i like the idea of abs
3: i love you staring off
2: <laughs> imagining these oh. uh, abs i'm
3: telling you it's really not all that big of a deal abs are one of the most useless what are parts- you
2: talking about <laughs>
3: <laughs> i don't even have them right now so i can't even mm-hmm. like i'm not even using myself but it when you talk about like abdominal muscles in in a peak performance, like the physical portion for me, I'm, I always think everything show muscle or go muscle. Mm-hmm. So aesthetic, aesthetic muscle stuff like being in bodybuilding world and coaching a lot of people who want to aesthetically look better, or the goal muscle side of things is like the Sean's side of the world where it's everything's just I'm I want muscle that contracts in a certain way to perform for my specific sport, whether it's running or biking, mm-hmm. right. So when, when it comes to us, what it looks like that doesn't have anything to do with the function of that as much as we all think it does right
2: i love that that's
0: a good point the uh now i got a couple comments and a question but um any other thoughts before we jump into it sean you look you got something Sounds yeah nice, just on um,
1: the yeah <laughs> Uh, on, uh, for anyone out there who thinks that I'm throwing aesthetics under the bus, I'm not. I'm just using it as an opportunity to uh, delineate, as Jake just did very well, uh, the difference between show muscle and go muscle, for lack of a better term. But ultimately, it comes down to, I suppose, how I run my life. And my life, as I've said before on many podcasts now, whether we're talking about psychological, emotional, or physiological, I like to bounce up against the uh, safety barriers, man. Like when I'm driving my jalopy around the track, I want to be rubbing up against the uh, edges of that uh, corner that I'm taking. And I want to see some sparks because uh, I want to see what my body can do. I want to push myself so that I can understand my limits. I am not a guy who is happy in a very narrow bandwidth called mediocrity. I need to explore my left and right arcs of fire with my body with my mind with my emotions with how i run my life i need to i need to go so hard one way and go so hard the other way that i fail both directions and then understand what my now limits are not what i my limits were when i could hover and uh and be a ninja 20 years ago those limits are gone they're they're limits that i can't recreate now uh but um I understand what it took to achieve those kind of things and I understand what my my mind, my body and emotions are resilient enough to deal with. So it's just my job to keep pushing the pace and understanding my limits. I, I've, I said it just recently that sometimes I ride so hard that I'll see little white dots. Like when I'm racing hard. My, it's not that my tunnel vision occurs because I'm not situationally aware. I've done a lot of things a lot of times so that I don't get that kind of tunnel vision. Uh, but my white dots in my wide vision will start appearing simply through oxygen deprivation and so much physiological stress that I'm getting close to, not really, getting close to blacking out. And so I'm comfortable in that hellacious zone of suckage called you're right on the edge of going off the cliff. I'm good with that because I'm used to that, because I've done it a lot, and I actually thrive in it because that's where I feel like I learn the most. Where I learn the least, and this is important, is in that mediocrity bandwidth called the middle zone. If I'm if if I can't push my body to white dot performance. I definitely don't want to spend the rest of my life in mediocrity performance. And so if I never get to see white dots again, I'll see them today, uh, I will find a way to back it off just a bit, Where we'll call it quote-unquote safe. I'll hang out there to learn more about me, rather than dial it way back to hang out for the rest of my life in mediocrity. Now, I'm not talking about recovery protocols right now, I'm not talking about peak performances with taper peaks. I'm not talking about all of the science coaching at coach McCoach stuff that creates peak performance on the physical side of things because there's many tips and tricks for that. I'm just talking about me. I know where I'm happy, and I know that if I just dial it back a little bit, I'm still happy. If I dial it back a lot, I'm not happy.
0: There, there's uh, There's a lot to that, and I'm... I'm gonna it goes into exactly what I wanted to ask but I do want to hit on these uh, comments real quick um, Carl jumps in and he says uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger which could go both ways on that one yeah <laughs> um uh, but he says this after he says, strengths to balance or in a way cover off on weaknesses which I, I kind of like so you can kind of play with the silos a little bit um, they tend to have a little bit of fun here they say I'm a double decker <clears throat> <laughs> and or uh, or a lifted Chevy C10, for instance, which is an interesting point. You'd be very useful. Useful, exactly. I was thinking like a farm truck. That was what I was thinking. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> yeah, machinery. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not um, cool. But the so the question I had really comes down to kind of what Sean is saying, and this is in terms of what your your actual capabilities are based on training, because you know if you take just the average person. And you put them in an F1 car, they will crash it in a heartbeat, right? Or they'll destroy the engine. They like, there's no actual understanding of how it works. They have a general idea how to drive, sure, but they can't utilize something to the level that is as fine tuned as that. And so you made the comment about you know switching bodies, Aaron, <laughs> between uh, Jake and uh, yeah. and Sean. Sean would be able to, you know ride right, Jake's body for lack of a better term, uh, into the ground, right? He knows how to do that. But if you were to take an average person and just give them what they want and be like, oh yeah, you had, now you have the perfect body with all the strength and all the blah, 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 they wouldn't know how to use it. They don't know how to utilize it. It'd be like <clears throat> handing someone a Ferrari and saying, go drive because they don't know how to actually drive to the degree that the vehicle is made for, if that makes sense. Well, they don't so, know how to drive it and they don't have the mind for it. Mind for there you go, yeah. That's a great point. So the question I wanted to ask both Jake and Aaron here is that the the concept of getting there. How do, how do you get people who aren't there to there, if that makes sense? How do you train them to drive, basically? Aaron, I'm gonna come to you first.
2: Well, first of all, I can't drive manual. Um, it's definitely a weakness of mine. Um, I can teach it. <laughs> I tried to learn in Brazil, of all places, and it was in a hilly area. And I'm like, this is this is not safe. Not that I care about safety too much, Sean. I love, I love cautious living. Um, or not, let's say not cautious living. Um, I I always think about wanting a car that's like a bumper car that has rubber, so that I can bump into things because I'm very much a trial and error type of person. How far can I go? Oh, there's the limit. Well, I definitely can't do that. Um, when I had hubcaps on my old car, they were all just scraped up because I was like parking or even parallel parking. I'm like, yep, there's the curb. Um, and so knowing your, your limits and then being able to think about how you're going to push past them, I think is what training is about. So it's, hitting, we all know what that feels like to hit that initial wall. So when I was doing CrossFit, um, for jujitsu, it wasn't just, you know, CrossFit for CrossFit, but I was going there and, and every day and I would get to the warm up and I'd start going and my body's like, no, please, please, no, please stop doing this. You're not even going to make it, but you push past that. And then all of a sudden you've like, cool, circulation, the right, you know, glucose and oxygen are going to your brain, to your muscles. It, you're mobilized, but there's that feeling of trudging through to get through it. And so I think with the training, it's learning what that warning sign is. So again, working on our flesh prism being a sensory, um, there's a guy, Drew Leader who I just was reading about and he calls it the absent body, where you kind of forget that you have a body because you're so in your head. So getting out of your head into your body, but obviously you have to use your brain and your central nervous system and all of that. It's, it's working together, but conceptualizing it in a way that when you push yourself, what happens? What's the feedback? Okay, cool. I know, I know that. All right. For example, RPMs, I don't drive manual, but I still understand when to switch gears. You're pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. Now you got to switch a gear. And it's like, well, if you didn't have other gears, you'd be like, well, that's as far as I can go. And then you'd go back to the shop and go, okay, I need a better engine so that I can now you know, have gears and I can switch gears because now I know either what I'm capable of or I know what the demands are. So as we feel our way through jujitsu, for example, we don't even know what we don't know. And that's why even as a black belt it's hard for me to say that I'm an expert because even still today, people are creating new things. Have you seen this? Have you seen that? You know, squid guard. I'm like, I have no idea. I I do spider guard. That's all I do. So having that ability to, to measure, of course, um, and and do the maths, which is very hard, Jake, I understand. um, Is, is that ability to say, I'm reaching further, I'm reaching further. And like some days you're not going to have the energy to go for that. And you're gonna hit below what you're capable of, but you have to understand that you have to zoom out, and it's not like here and now I need to do it now. And of course, Sean, that you have you have these deadlines, but they're long deadlines, right? Like you're like I'm gonna give myself this amount of time to figure it out. So in terms of training to get to that peak performance, it's figuring out what's a what's a mental limit and what's a real limit, and then bridging that gap. And, and doing it in a way that is very positive and not thinking about your weaknesses, but your strengths and going, wow, that, that really showed that I'm good at that guard or that I can run this way. If I do it like this um, and optimizing twe- uh, tweaking, you called it, Sean.
0: Absolutely. <clears throat> Jake, you got any thoughts on that?
3: All right, let's go. <laughs> so from <laughs> a co- from my <laughs> from a coaching perspective for me, what I would, basically do if I was taking on a client, let's I'll kind of bridge the gap between all the things we're talking about. Sean, I have you as a client now. You're fresh. You've never biked before. So I'm going to take an assessment of your capabilities. You're able to sit on a bike. OK, so when he has the balance of capabilities set on the bike. Perfect. Now we got to get pedaling and we just got to keep you vertical. And it's all about applying stressors to you as you do that a bike has gears, right? So now we're, we're we're changing the gear to make it more difficult. Now you're capable of biking for 10 minutes with in gear four. Awesome. We, we're going to change now the elevation and add more resistance. And as we add resistances and different tools to his, his environment, Sean will adapt to those to those things. If it was something like the jiu jitsu world, myself coming in, me and sean are going to go toe to toe i have no experience in brazilian jiu-jitsu i'm going to try to use my capabilities my brute strength to try to overwhelm all the logic and capabilities that that sean has and he's going to beat me mentally it's not going to have anything to do with physically but now if i develop skills if i get a couple americano arm bars in there then, and I learned these new skills. Now it's not so easy for Sean to defeat me because I've applied and, and that resistance was a logical resistance, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to develop a skill. One thing that we talked about earlier was our, without saying it, was our proprioception. Mm-hmm. Our awareness of where our body is in the space around us. So me moving my hands, I know mm-hmm. I'm not going to hit the wall. I know where the limitation is because my body has proprioception and I'm blind on that side too. Right. So I'm not I can't even see this. Um, So we have to assess all these capabilities. And then as we've assessed them, we need to continue to add resistance to that, whether it's through, um, like I said, using tools uh, like dumbbells, barbells and any form of resistance so that I can make you better at whatever sport it is, running, uh, biking, jujitsu, bodybuilding. I think that getting to peak is about continually applying pressure and resistance to the body and adapting to that, and then setting the next set of resistance as far as as we can. And, And the way you get to the peak is you actually have an inability to continue or you have something occur like an injury or you do something like see one too many white little dots and then you pass out. And then we found we found the peak and gone beyond it, right? So Sean, you're one of those individuals that yeah, you would have to bring in the reins a little bit. And like you said, you like to be safe, but you don't like to live in mediocrity on the couch. You don't learn anything from the couch. There's no resistance there. It's not making you any better. Right? so there's the physical resistance application and then there's also the mental side of things uh that sean is is touching on mostly but i think it's all about the application of resistance and the usage of of tools in in your environment like like barbells like um i'm looking around everything
0: um, I thought I thought you were gonna say me for a second, like, like I, I didn't and chance and you know and chance,
3: <laughs> yeah, you know. But and you know what's funny is is that this is a tool mentally for people. This is a tool to to learn to get different perspectives from other people. We have four people on this panel for a reason. We see the world in a different way, all of us, right? So that's why we have four people, or we can just have Sean and listen to Sean, right? But it's better to have a different perspective from the bodybuilding world, from the the mental psychological part of the world that Aaron is, is just got her masters in that is like beyond anything that I know. So it's good to listen. And it is a tool chance. So you are a tool chance. Yes,
0: Yes. a tool. Excellent. Uh, Aaron, you got any thoughts on, on not just me me being a tool, but anything that Jake said there. You're muted. Hold on. You got to unmute yourself.
2: Sorry, uh, I'm going to use a word that you guys are going to be like, that's not how she says it. What? It's a process, uh, you know, because I like to system, system, create systems for certain thinking, right? And that's kind of what you've done, Sean, is you've said, well, I don't really know this particular sport, but I know how to figure it out. I know how to use my flesh prison to do the thing. I'm going to learn what the thing is, but my, I know my learning style. You know yourself, Um, you know your body, Um, and that obviously helps. And so, what I heard from you, Jake, was assessment capabilities, which is what I do as well. I do assessments in terms of anxiety, in terms of confidence, in terms of focus, your mental coping skills, all of those. So, I can see where you're at and I can meet you where you're at. For example, Sean, if you didn't know how to ride a bike, it's like, well, let's see what you can do. Um, And then applying the stressors and the resistance and the tools. So for some, like for me, for example, I'm not putting someone through a workout. I'm putting them through um, a way of, of viewing what they do and viewing themselves in the moment and how good they do, how well they do it. And so I think applying those stressors and then giving them the tools like, oh, you said that you had a problem with this. Well, I got a tool for that. But also understanding the theory behind it and understanding like this is where I want to be or this is where this is where I, I thrive. Um, and so that proprioception, I really liked the situational awareness, um, is understanding everything about where my limits are and then figuring out, okay, what's too little and what's too much. And I know that you'd probably hate this word, but moderation, there are situations, um, in terms of moderation, meaning if you're over aroused, you're going to feel anxiety. You're going to have intrusive thoughts. You're going to feel tense and rigid. Like you're walking through quicksand. But if you're not aroused enough for a performance, you're going to be lethargic. You're going to have your mind wandering. You're not going to be in the right thing, the right um, optimal zone of functioning. So I think it it works even with confidence. If you're overconfident, maybe you don't train as much. You underestimate your opponent. If you're underconfident, you're not going to uh, actually achieve what you're capable of because your mind is going to be telling you that you can't. And so in that way, I really like that it's, The same for the physical and the mental, applying the stressors going, okay, what do you do in this situation? What happens here? Okay, if that happens, this is where you are. Are you too little or are you too much? Cool, this is what that that optimal looks like and how we can get you there. Um, And then when you said the, the peak of like, an inability to continue reminds me of like, when you work out and you're like, cool, I'm gonna go till failure. And what I love about that, and also about like weightlifting is failure. You have to know how to fail and how to dismount the barbell so that you don't get injured so that you can try again. So at what point do you create that limit of like, you know, I could do this, but I might injure myself. Right. Or I could do this and I might not make it, but at least I know how to, uh, avert from danger so that I can try again. And so knowing that limit and then being able to fail is understanding that limit. And I think people are actually afraid of failure and that word, But we all make mistakes, and mistakes are how you get feedback. When you hit that wall, right, that's that boundary that you're like, cool. And then you think, can I go past that boundary? Does it make sense? You have to ask yourself all of these questions. But the fact that there's no resistance in mediocrity, I really like that. In moderation, there's still resistance. So I think Mm -hmm. that's where it differs. But people would kind of say, oh, the, the, the mediocrity is the moderation. And it's just not true. Cause it's more calculated that way, but mediocrity, you're right. Jake is no resistance. And I'm like, yeah, I definitely need resistance. I imagine rolling with someone who doesn't give me resistance. They're just limp. Like I can't even do anything. That would be not fun. Um, Anything limp really, but um, (laughs) you need the resistance. You need something going against you. 100%.
0: 100. percent You absolutely do. Sean, got any uh she, points on she that? She went there. She went there. <laughs> she did. No, I didn't. I'm continuing we on. <laughs> uh,
1: I would say that uh, Aaron uh, is correct in the sense of um, we need to push our physical uh, envelopes in order to understand our left and right of arcs, as it were. And I'm paraphrasing now. Uh, however, she was weaving. Uh, the mental aspect into this so if we're pushing our envelope we uh, if we're not hanging out in mediocrity and we're pushing our envelope it's our job to understand how we're pressure testing ourselves and it's our job to psychologically gain in the moment as well as physically gain in the moment you can't untwine physical and mental you can't separate them when we're talking about performance particularly peak performance they are so wrapped around each other that they're inseparable so it's our job to push our our uh, meat prison uh and it's also our job as we're pushing it and and i don't care about this like i don't care about my body so much like i look after it and blah 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 all that stuff but when it comes to performance when i'm on task when i have a mission my body doesn't exist my body will do what i freaking tell it to do which is what's required immediately in front of me. And that's just what I was taught. And I like that way of living because I understand it really well. It's allowed me to push my pace to some notable peak performances. And if not for that understanding that I can push myself way harder than society thinks we can push ourselves harder... Uh, I I have a privilege of being in rarefied in rarefied company, as it were, because most people have never seen the insane performances that humans can put out. If you're in a in a group of super freaks, and, and I think Aaron, you are, and I think Jake, you are, Um, if you're if you're hanging out with super freaks, You understand that there's some freaks out there that are doing things that you can't even understand how it's possible. The moment that I see that, yes, I'm stoked because my yardstick just adjusted. If I see someone levitating out in my front yard right now, I'm target locking on that and thinking, how do they do that? I'm starting right now to figure it out because I want to push my envelope. I want to see the white dots. I want to levitate. I want to transporter be myself i want to do all the things that are possible as a human the moment that i see that they're possible it's my job to push myself physically using my brain and then see what the outcome is and the moment sean does that he becomes
0: a radmaster 9000 that's (laughs) the way no one
3: no one brings sean to like a Certus soleil show Right, because like, <laughs> that's why I not go. That's, <laughs> that's what I always see. That, and I'm like, how are they doing that? I want to be able to do that so bad. I, Give me that. Some, Let me try. Some things, some things I don't want to see. I don't need new hobbies.
0: <laughs> no. need new hobbies. That's the problem. Uh, now we are just over an hour here. I really want to say appreciate the conversation. Appreciate uh, all the comments, both Aaron and Jake. You guys have been a great, great convo. Lots of really good information. Uh, I'm very excited of how much this is going to help people that are watching because it really does focus a lot of the um, the muddiness that is out there on the internet. So I think I really appreciate the combo. Um, and so I wanted to, this, this comment just came up and I want to put it up there. It says, yep, there was a guy in my platoon way back when who could smoke while running a marathon or circuit training and lap people. <laughs> just, yeah, I remember a couple guys like that. Um, now let's get into some Final thoughts on anything we talked about, physical, peak performance, on any sides of it? Jake, I'm going to start with you and then we'll carry on. What do you got? Yeah,
3: I think that just in general, if you're trying to take this information and apply it to yourself, make sure that you're assessing your capabilities honestly. Like, look into yourself, be honest with yourself. What are your capabilities now? Apply small stressors to yourself, and you are going to advance towards your goal. If, if you want to find your peak, you are going to have to apply stressors to your life. And that's the one difficult thing about anything in the health and, and fitness world is that application of resistance, it's going to be tough, could be grueling, but it is going to advance you. So uh, the mental side of things is going to have to be your strongest aspect without the mental capability. To decide to turn that on, and and go for a goal, you're you're just not going to get there. So,
2: percent yeah. Aaron. I would say um, a lot of it is effort. You have to be willing to try. You have to be willing to try, and you have to be willing to fail. Go back to the drawing board and do it again. And to meet failure with um, a not yet. So I like the idea of saying like not now, not not yet. Um, if you keep going, you will achieve that. Um, and also to consult an expert, um, consult someone that can help you know what to measure, making, making sure that you're measuring the right thing. So you don't think, wow, this isn't working or I'm not making improvements. And then you die off because, you know, you're, you don't think that you're really able to do things. Um, and so effort and guidance, I think were the, the biggest things and the biggest takeaways for me.
0: I liked it. Sean, final thoughts.
1: Yeah, two things. One, uh, the comment that, uh, could you put up that last comment real quick, Chance? Thanks. (laughs) Boom. So, yeah, there are people out there. I know people out there that were in my platoon that could smoke and run a marathon and do pretty well. But here's the uh, thing. They could have done it better if they weren't smoking while running a marathon. Food for thought. Change your ways. Uh, The Um, other aspect is this. Um, I've never had a coach. Everything that I've done in my life, I've been self-taught, with the exception of the military, as it were, Uh, they taught me. Uh, But along the way, I learned how to learn, and then I learned how to teach that stuff to others. And so throughout my life, I've never been able to rely on a coach because I like to learn the world around me by myself. It's kind of a solo journey to some degree. It's full of bumps and bruises, and it's not the easiest way to do it. But it's my way and it works for me because I like the additional pressure that it applies on me. I like the additional failures. I like the additional bumps and bruises that I get. It, that's just me. But that is not for everyone. So my biggest um, point that I would like to make is this. if you can, If you can run your life like me, you better get used to it taking decades to learn things. And if you're good with that, if you're comfortable with taking decades to learn things, enjoy, it's a great path. But if you wanna get, if you wanna shorten that timeline down, if you wanna get better at something faster, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You need a coach. That's it, that's all. You need guidance, as both Jake and Aaron said. I've coached long enough in enough industries now that I understand the importance of coaching and i understand what it can do in people's lives how it can change them in significant ways for the better so rather than trying to figure all of this stuff out by yourself because there's a lot of stuff to figure out like a bajillion things that we didn't talk about today stuff go find a coach that knows those bajillion things that can teach it to you so that maybe a a decade from now you can be teaching it to others,
0: one hundred percent. And the uh, the understanding of time, I think that's a big thing. That uh, all of this stuff takes time. It's never going to be tomorrow, until it is tomorrow. Which I think is an interesting perspective on it, because it will come eventually, but it won't be tomorrow if you're starting today. Um, so. Again, I just want to say thank you guys. It's been an awesome conversation. Really appreciate it. Um, We're going to be continuing down this pathway for quite some time. For those watching, if you have any other questions or comments, by all means, put them in the comment section, and we can uh, engage those on the side. We read them all, so absolutely hit us up. Um, And I just, (laughs) I can't thank you guys enough, because it it really crystallized a lot of the stuff for my own head on what peak performance is in in terms of my physicality. It is awesome. So as we all learn how to be patient with time, build our own understanding of what we're capable of, we can grow into the people that we're meant to be. And we do that with us every day here on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo.